Hello everyone, welcome back to Songs on the Brain. Today is episode two and I will be interviewing Melanie Ambler, who will be presenting herself in the next clip. So let's jump right into the interview. Could you start by telling me your name, where you are currently living and what you're doing there? Yeah, so my name is Melanie Ambler. I just finished my second year at Stanford School of Medicine, and I'm hoping to become a pediatrician of some kind. I'm also a cellist and love the intersection of music with medicine. Hey, amazing. And how how is that going? How is your med school going so far? It's going pretty well. I just had a very large exam on Friday, um, but happy to have that over with. (laughs) And I've really been enjoying the past two years um, having the opportunity to continue my arts as well within medicine. Um, Stanford has a really cool program called Medicine and the Muse, and it's essentially a medical humanities department within the medical school. And they encourage students to practice creative writing or music or art, whatever art form you love and you want to continue. They kind of are there to encourage you to do that. Um, so that's been really wonderful. I've been able to continue with my cello. And then they also have these really awesome creative writing workshops where we go to organic farms in California and eat lovely food and sit outside and just write and reflect on medical education as well as just our life experiences and having that space to share with other students in kind of a non-academic setting is really special. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. Um, And so like you feel like despite the intensity of like what you're studying, you still have like room for your musical passions and stuff. I have for the past two years. <laughs> mm. We will see if that continues. Um, okay. I, in July, I start on my clinical rotation. So the way that the system works in the U.S., I'm not sure if it's different in Canada, is you have kind of two years of preclinical work where you're in classes and you're learning all of the organ systems and basic kind of medical pathology. And then the second two years, you do rotations in a hospital and every four to eight weeks you switch services. So you're kind of getting like a sample platter of all the different medical specialties where then you can choose what you think you might be most interested in. Um, And so residency, that's not your residency. So your residency then happens after that, after you choose your specialty, then Mm -hmm. you go to residency. Um, But it's a lot more intense hours wise than the preclinical. <laughs> so okay. I'm not sure how much my music will factor into day to day. I start on surgery where they've said that our hours are 4.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. six days a week sort of thing. So that's a little okay. tricky. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, we'll see how it goes. Okay. And so could you tell me just a bit more about the medicine and the muse and like your involvement with music more specifically? Like, as you know, I, I'm also a musician. And so yeah. just kind of looking ahead and how I'm, I'm, I'm not sure yet what I want to do, but just knowing that there's places that incorporate music is really interesting. Yeah. So 
I can kind of tell you a little bit about before I got to Stanford and then how I've continued that work yeah. um, since arriving. When the pandemic hit, I was living in France um, doing a Fulbright Fellowship on the effects of music and memory. Um, so looking at music and Alzheimer's disease as, music, as well as music and another disease called Korsakoff syndrome. And both of those diseases are kind of associated with memory loss and um, the idea of our study in France was looking at whether music could kind of help to form new memories in patients that were thought to not be able to form new memories. Um, and so that work was really inspiring and exciting, um, but kind of removed from the patient population because I entered into the project on more of the data analysis phase. And okay. so when the pandemic happened, I left France, which was very sad, <laughs> and came back to the U.S. and really didn't know what I could do to help the medical community because I hadn't yet started medical school and just didn't have expertise in that sense. Um, but then I found out about this program where musicians were just playing for patients over Zoom or over, even over the phone um, because they were out of work and patients were totally alone because visitation was completely limited. So I just called up one of my <laughs> physician colleagues named Tim, and he's a critical care physician, a pulmonary critical care physician, so very much affected by COVID and the pandemic. And he said, yeah, we need anything because these patients are suffering, we're suffering, and something needs to be done. So every week I'd kind of just be on call and he would call me at a random hour during the day and say, Hey, we have a patient that would like music or we need some staff to listen to some music. And so I would just play because I was home and not doing anything. And it was super moving and um, rewarding both for myself and I think for the people that were listening. So that kind of morphed into a bunch of different projects where I started playing virtual concerts for nursing homes in France because I was really missing France. And then um, they would all connect at the same time. So there would be multiple nursing homes from the region of Normandy um, connecting at once. And they had never met before. So it was almost creating this community that hadn't existed previously, even though it was wow. virtual. Um then, you know, things have kind of morphed over the years, but I've merged with a nonprofit called Project Music Heals Us, which does incredible work um, bringing music to populations that are, um, that don't normally have access to music themselves. So mm -hmm. patients doing virtual concerts for them, um, their composition workshops for incarcerated individuals in um, some correctional facilities in the United States. And they also do virtual music lessons for kids all around the world that have access to instruments, but not teachers, um, which is just a really awesome mission. So now I've kind of merged with them and every week on Wednesdays, I play for the same hospital I've been playing for for three years and meet lots of patients, have really wow. cool exchanges one-on-one -on -one with them. And 
yeah, it's been a really lovely experience. And I've been able to continue that since joining Stanford. Um, Mm -hmm. We actually kind of set up like a research partnership with a nonprofit and Stanford. Um, Stanford's also now a vendor for the nonprofit where they're essentially um, compensating Project Music Heals Us to provide musicians for their patients. So that's kind of the first time that there's been support from a hospital itself for the program rather than it being run fully through like an NGO sort of structure. Uh So it kind of serves as a model for future hospitals to follow and further integrate the arts. So that's kind of cool that there's more institutional buy-in from where I happen to go to medical school. So it's definitely special for me to see that enthusiasm. Um, And you're like almost, you're part of the whole movement. Yeah, I'm part of it, which is really cool. And there's been so much support from administration um, and the dean of the medical school, for example, Dean Minor, he's also a cellist and loves okay. music. So I think from all levels, there is support and interest in this, which mm. has not always been the case. And I think right now is a really cool moment within the arts and medicine because the research is starting to come out there and there's starting to be more understanding that medicine isn't just science and diagnostic frameworks it's treating a human as a human and a lot of that is an art form in and of itself yeah and speaking of like research have you been able to be like involved in any research relating to music uh in school yeah I have actually I haphazardly shadowed a pediatric anesthesiologist last year and was talking with one of the fellows who's kind of higher up in their training, but not an official anesthesiologist yet. Um, and I was telling him about music and medicine and he just looked at me. He's like, you have to meet Ben. I said, okay. <laughs> and so he made a group chat in the operating room with me and Ben wow. <laughs> and connected us. So he wouldn't forget <laughs> Because um, Ben is a pianist and a musician and also a Pete's anesthesiologist and was doing a research study on um, the effect of personalized music listening on kids um, getting surgery in order to decrease their anxiety and stress level and potentially um, a post-operative complication called emergence delirium, which is when a child wakes up completely disoriented and combative and it's incredibly disruptive for the staff um and it's of a very high prevalence because children have Mm -hmm. kind of not great reactions to anesthesia okay and it's also been associated with preoperative anxiety so the idea was that we would essentially meet a kid in the waiting room and create a personalized spotify playlist with them so i'd go in and say what are your favorite songs and they'd tell me and then we'd make a about an hour long playlist and Mm. just play it on repeat (laughs) for them throughout their entire operative experience. And, um, the, the study is still ongoing, but it was a really cool experience to just be in a pediatric setting, Mm -hmm. giving random music, favorite music to these kids ranging from like songs about cement trucks to 
traditional Native American tribal music. Um, You know, there was a whole range of, um, of different things that people requested, which was really cool. Wow. And so you were with the kids, like creating the playlist, but were you also involved in like, like the data analysis Mm -hmm. part as well? Yeah. So work after. Yeah. So I was only there for the summer because of schedule wise, it was only working out that way. So I helped with data collection where we would enroll patients, um, randomize them to either no music or music, and then follow them throughout their whole operative course. So pre-operative, post, uh, intraoperative and post-operative. And then, um, after I had collected a decent amount of patients, we then at the end of the summer did kind of an interim analysis, we called it just kind of looking at general trends and things like that, how to improve study design. Um, but it's still ongoing. So I don't really know the results. Anecdotally, I can say that it was (laughs) beneficial, but the numbers, I don't know specifically. Okay. Oh, oh, but that's really cool. Uh, I was also curious to know, did you always know that you wanted to go to med school or study medicine? And also, did you always know that you wanted to work with children eventually? Or is that something that developed in med school? I've always really been interested in like how things work (laughs) and think the human body is so fascinating and one of the most fragile yet steadfast like things in existence. (laughs) And in high school, I think my interest kind of started peaking then. Um, Around that time, I was also getting really into music and excited about that. But I knew that that was something that was bringing me a lot of joy and I didn't necessarily want the stress of having it be a career take that joy away from me. Mm -hmm. And I love science and didn't want to give that up. So I kind of went down the, okay, let's do medicine, have music on the side. Little did I know that it was possible to do medicine and do music, like not on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, And that wasn't until I had this class at Brown, which is where I went to for undergrad called artists and scientists as partners. And they essentially showed us ways in which the arts could be integrated within science, but medicine more specifically. And a part of the class was community engagement. So we could either choose to do theater and arts programming for children on the autism spectrum or um, dance classes for individuals with Parkinson's disease. And I ended up actually choosing the dance classes so I didn't have direct interaction with kids, but was really inspired by that entire process and would bring my cello to the dance classes and like play it live as people moved around. And, um, I was the first time I had seen this entirely new field and kind of sparked my thesis and what I did, you know, post-grad in France. And then now what I'm doing in medical school. So it was really the starting off point for a lot of exploration within a field that I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. And then to answer your question about kids, um, I'm, I'm still, you know, keeping my options open for specialties for residency. I think 
peds is probably, or pediatrics is probably what I want to do. Um, I've been a cello teacher for a really long time. I started my senior year in high school, I think, and had students all the way up until I started medical school. So being able to kind of pass on that passion for music was really inspiring. And I just love kids' energy and creativity and imagination. Within medicine, I think pediatrics requires a lot more creativity and imagination in order to make that hospital experience as least traumatic as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, it lends itself to practitioners that are interested in thinking outside of the box, which I think often attracts ones that are might be more creatively minded or artistic in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Not to say that, honestly, I think it's it may be more important to start doing the same thing in adult medicine because a lot is lacking within adult medicine. I think we put a lot of attention on pediatrics because they're kids and For sure. we hate thinking of sick kids, but all of the innovation that's happening within pediatrics should and could be integrated within adult medicine as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like MRI scanners, for example, in pediatrics hospitals are like the ad- adventure series, pirate ships. You walk the plank, you get on the bed, you go in, there are scents, there are sounds. It's a whole immersive experience. Whereas you go mm-hmm. into an adult hospital and it looks like a monster. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, adults also deal with the fear and claustrophobia and stress. So why not make it a relaxing, you know, experience? It's understandable as you say, cause it's children, but uh, I agree that it, the, the anxiety also translates into yeah. adults. Yeah. Cause we were all children once, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> something in pediatrics, uh, not sure yet is what you're saying. Um, could you envision like ways that you would incorporate music into like your future career? It's a great question. Still figuring it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've fantasized about bringing my cello on my rotations at some point yeah. and playing for patients. I think that would be like really dream, cool. Dream setup, you know. Dream setup be- would be to, you know, have my cello at my side, be able to practice have some sort of continuity of care with my patients and just integrate as much as possible. Another thing that I could envision would be to practice part-time and have some sort of other nonprofit or program that brings arts and music to kind of similar to what Project Music Heals Us does. Mm -hmm. Um, to populations that don't have access to it. I think it could be really cool to set up some sort of, for children that are chronically ill in hospitals, to set up kind of like music lesson-esque programs within the floor, essentially. You know, have like a keyboard that can plug into headphones so it's not disruptive to the staff and have students or musicians come in and teach piano and have like something that the kids can 
bring with them outside of the hospital and have an experience that they can work towards and have goals. Um, whereas I, I think oftentimes when children are hospitalized for a long time, everything else kind of put on hold. Yeah. All their activities are kind of right. put to the side. They can't continue to partake in. Right. So that, that's kind of a pipe dream, I guess, is to mm-hmm. have those programs. Like the Lucille Packard Children's Hospital at Stanford actually has a school within the hospital because okay. there are wow. so many kids that are chronically ill that can't leave the hospital, but that are mm-hmm. still in school. And so there's a classroom, there are teachers, and the kids can go to school even mm-hmm. within the hospital, which I didn't even know was a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any like hospitals that you know of that are already doing those kinds of like music mm-hmm. lesson programs or I'm not sure probably okay. but I'm I'm not aware of them okay I think there's there's music therapy as a formal mm-hmm. sort of intervention mm-hmm. for kids as well as adults but I'm, I'm not sure about the music lesson part of I things think. yeah okay we're talking about medicine and the muse and like all these different amazing programs, but are there other ways that you'd like to see medical schools evolve to be like even more interdisciplinary or just, yeah, in terms of. Yeah. I think if I didn't seek it out for myself, it would not be within the Mm. curriculum. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think there are plenty of medical students that might benefit from that level of expression or interest or encouragement um, that don't seek it out for themselves, but that kind of would want to if it was offered. Um, So I think there are certain schools that offer, you know, elective classes on arts and medicine or creative writing classes, which Stanford does. Um, I think I'm not sure how it could be integrated more within the curriculum because there's already so much information that we need to absorb that there's got to be a way. Um, There's a medical school in Texas called Dell, um, and they're kind of, they're, I think they're new within the last five or 10 years, maybe five years. Um, and their main goal is to kind of flip medical education on its head and, and think about design thinking and creativity and problem solving for the major issues that healthcare is facing. And they're also directly linked to the art school on the campus it's through UT Austin. So there's a big art school there. So that's kind of a cool model that I'm really interested in following and seeing how it goes. I think newer places are newer medical schools are more likely to adopt those practices than, you know, places that have been around for a really long time and kind of entrenched in tradition. But um, there's, there's gotta be a way to integrate it more. I'm not sure that I have a, solution exactly but for sure um yeah and you talked about like different creative writing classes or like storytelling 
Can you just talk a bit more about that? If it's something that you enjoy? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love storytelling. I think it's a really beautiful way to capture a feeling and a memory that might not be able to be expressed adequately in writing. Um, I've kind of dabbled in storytelling since starting at Stanford and never done it before, but found out about this really cool podcast called The Nocturnists, which is a medical storytelling podcast. And they essentially, it's kind of like The Moth, which is another storytelling um, group. And essentially they put out a prompt and send it to medical, the medical community at large. And you can respond with a pitch for a story where you just record yourself telling a story. And if they like it, then you do a live show um, and you tell your story. They record that and then include it in a podcast with an interview. And so I had a really cool opportunity to do that. And also, if you do the live show, you get paired with a coach and work with a coach and kind of um, refine the story and learn about storytelling as well and presenting an experience that's highly personal to you in an accessible, vulnerable, but not like unsafe way, I guess, depending on the story. For sure. And I ended up sharing kind of a combined story of music and voice where I told um, a story about a particular patient that I had played for and my thoughts about it and how moving it was. And it was a really cathartic and interesting experience to kind of work through that both verbally and through my music and combine them to create this almost like interwoven story. So I think storytelling has a place in a lot of different fields, but especially medicine, because every single time you see a patient, they're telling you their story their history is their story and you need to figure out what the important parts are within that experience and treat them as best as you can. Because of that, as medical doctors, we absorb a lot <laughs> of information, of trauma, sure. um, of really beautiful stories, really intense emotions. And oftentimes I think within the fields, those feelings get bottled up and not shared. And you can often feel alone or burnt out, which is a, also a huge problem within medicine is burnout. And so there have been, and we have two live storytelling events actually through Stanford, one called Talk Rx, which is for medical students. And then another um, that's like, I forget what it's called. It's for physicians and trainees. And it's a storytelling platform where, you know, a few times each year, a few physicians get on stage and share their stories and open up a space to talk about things that are uncomfortable or um, relatable almost only to other people that are within medicine. Because oftentimes it's really hard to share the traumas that you experience secondhand with people that maybe haven't had that close of an experience um, to so many patients and so many people that are experiencing like the worst times in their lives. 
Um, I feel like it's an art to like be able to filter the information a patient is saying to like actually be able to do your medical job, but also be empathetic to like what they're going through. Exactly. And then also process yourself how that's making you feel. Cause there are some really sad moments and low moments. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, you need to have a way to talk about it because otherwise it can really be harmful for your own mental health. Well, the panel that you were just saying, that sounds like a nice space to kind of air the, not grievances, but like air your feelings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And have a feeling of support and community. Mm -hmm. I guess finally, I was just going to ask if you had any advice, anything like looking back on your own like path. There's never one path or one way to do something. Um, It's often easy within medicine or within other careers to kind of just like keep going along the ladder that's set up for you (laughs) to get to each next level. It's like a video game. But I think there's a lot of beauty in like a circuitous route and that what you might not think is able to be combined or um, supported probably is. You just like maybe haven't met people that are doing it or it's not in spotlight um is it's really important to like find your people and have mentors that can help you through those journeys I guess it sounds so cheesy um (laughs) but I I think mentorship is really under it's not underrated but I I it should be talked about a lot more because Mm -hmm. you know the like mentors that I had at Brown that encouraged me to continue music and medicine have changed the entire course of my life and my career. And I still stay in touch with them and love them dearly. So I think, you know, if you find people that you're inspired by, then stay in touch with them, keep Mm -hmm. doing what you're doing and you will find a way if you're motivated and like, Mm -hmm enjoying what you do because at the end of the day that's what matters is that you love what you do and yeah yeah that's not to say that you know I don't have doubts about like is medicine what I want to do I don't know we'll see (laughs) you know there's there's always there's there's always a way out too if you don't enjoy something then you don't have to stay even if you've put in a lot of time and hours and money whatever Mm -hmm. that's informed your life experience and it's informed that maybe that's not what you want to do and then you pivot and you make a change for sure never stuck well thank you so much for (laughs) taking the time and answering my questions yeah thank you Wow. Thank you so much again, Melanie, for taking the time to chat. Um, Your passion for medicine and for music and all the different projects that you've done are super, super inspiring. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you again soon and maybe working on a project together. 
Um, to finish off this episode, I wanted to share with you guys a snippet of Melanie performing. Uh, it's a song called Sun Up, which is one of her favorites to play at the end of her concerts. So different family members, healthcare workers, patients have sent her photos of sunrises and she compiled a slideshow uh, with over 100 photos of sunrises that she plays for the patients on her screen um, on the Zoom as she performs. So uh, thank you, Melanie, for sharing the audio and I hope you guys enjoy. See you soon for another episode. Bye. Bye.